news featuring writer Sterling Gates, Arrow's Stephen Amell, and Supergirl's mysterious disappearance from the DC Comics universe, and a quick journey through Supergirl's history in comics, animation, and live action. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things Supergirl. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. And in this episode, we're going to dive into Supergirl's origins from comics to her animated appearances, as well as her live action incarnations. But first, the news. Writer Sterling Gates, who had a successful run on Supergirl pre-New 52, did an interview with Tulsa World on February 3rd to promote his Oklahoma-based superhero film, The Posthuman Project. Check it out at posthumanmovie.com. With all the buzz surrounding CBS's Supergirl series, Tulsa World asked him about what he thinks of the upcoming show. And on what he thinks about the show, he said, I think it's great. Supergirl is such a recognizable classic DC Comics character. The team behind her show, Greg Berlanti and Allie Adler, has a great track record on bringing superheroics to the small screen. So I'm really excited to see how they bring Kara Zor-El to life. Brilliant casting this month, too. I think Melissa Benoist is an exciting choice for Kara, and the newly announced McCod Brooks is going to be a great Jimmy Olsen. Smallville was on the small screen for a decade. It's well past time to give Clark's cousin a starring role. On which storylines he's worked on that he'd like to see on the show, he said, Bizarro Girl. I loved writing a cracked mirror version of Supergirl that played into Kara's deepest personal fears after our game-changing War of the Supermen story. (laughs) I feel like that's something they would have to plan. I don't know much about Bizarro Girl. But I know about, you know, Bizarro, Bizarro Superman. Superman, Bizarro yeah. <laughs> Lois. So there, it seems like it would follow that there would be a Bizarro girl. And I think that would be really fun because it's always kind of neat to see the play of like the real character versus this kind of crazy version of her that would kind of play into what, what he's talking about, the deepest personal fear. So I, I like the idea that that could come into play at some point in the series. Definitely. I mean, and really... Evil doppelgangers are the best. Oh, the like, best. I love, like, you know, Dark Willow on, on Buffy and, uh, you know, the Mirror Universe stuff on Star Trek. Those are, like, my favorite episodes. So if there was a Bizarro Supergirl, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, you bring up Star Trek and Buffy, and I'm thinking The Young and the Restless. Although, <laughs> although The Young and the Restless, I don't think, has done evil twins in a while. I guess the right comparison, soap opera-wise, would be, like, A Days of Our Lives. But I love that you go to soap opera evil twins. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> I love soap operas and soap opera evil twins are very fun. All the, the crazy people on soap operas are really fun. Oh, yeah. Well, totally. Um, <laughs> well, moving on with the news. On February 6th, 
uh, DC Comics announced their complete list of new and continuing titles, which is great, right? Um, well, apparently it's not so great for one of our favorite superheroines. Supergirl actually was nowhere on the list, which is surprising considering that the upcoming TV show might have sent new readers over to her comic title. As friend of Supergirl Radio Ange over at Supergirl Comic Box Commentary, say that three times fast, um, as Ange mentioned over there when he discussed the announcement the following day, Supergirl had been selling well. It had been selling about 26,000 copies a month, making the decision to end the title as of June while hanging on to other titles that have lower numbers all the more surprising. Uh, however, as Ange also predicts, uh, I bet Supergirl completely disappears from comics for months. We won't see her. And then, as the show nears, we'll get a new Supergirl title. And somehow that Supergirl will be more aligned with the show's vision. Slightly older, working, and living in the big city. That gap will be a soft reboot where the changes in her can be explained away. I think that's something that could possibly happen. What I'm hoping happens is uh, that they do something similar to... Uh, like, for instance, The Flash has a companion comic book series, uh, The Flash Season Zero, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And then Arrow has, right now, uh, Season 2.5, I believe. And yeah. those are actually really fun because sometimes they do coincide with what's going on in the show. So I hope that they do something like that for the CBS Supergirl. Yeah, no, that would be great. Um, Mike, <laughs> I have to say the biggest thing that made me laugh reading that list was that there's a Batmite comic coming out. Yeah. Because apparently Batmite deserves his own title. Who knew? And I, I understand that like they wanted uh, – the quote I read about it was that they wanted to have comics for all ages, which I totally applaud. And I would love them to do more comics that are actually for kids. Fancy that. But – you know, Supergirl can be that character too, especially right. having her as a teenager. Like, <laughs> Supergirl is one of the best characters with which to do that. So, right, right. the fact that they're throwing her over for Batmite makes no sense to me personally, but what do I know? There must be a huge demand for Batmite. <laughs> Everybody I, loves Batmite. I would not have thought that, but apparently so. Well, and as far as our last bit of news on February 8th, comicbook.com talked about Stephen Amell's recent appearance at Dallas Comic-Con's Fan Days this past weekend. During that appearance, Amell speculated about what a crossover between Arrow and all of the other DCU TV shows, including Supergirl, might look like. He said, It would be interesting to cross over with Constantine, only because he knows a lot about the Lazarus Pit, which is something that we've introduced in the show this year, talking about Arrow. It would be cool to cross over with Supergirl because it's something with Greg Berlanti, who's the helmer and sort of the brain trust or the center of the brain trust of Arrow <laughs> and The Flash. And I know so many of the people that are involved in the production of that show, so that would be really interesting. And Gotham would be a tough one just because I think they're out in a different time. But the crossover with The Flash was so much fun and did so well that I can't imagine a world, a universe, no pun intended, where that didn't happen and continue to happen all the time. Yeah, I actually, you know, um, just reading about Supergirl and her, the fact that her, she had a scientist father and, you know, science on Krypton in general seems to be a thing and they all seem to be very intelligent and scientifically inclined. Um, time travel. Hello. Like right. <laughs> they could clearly, you know, Gotham, it can totally still be in play with a time travel storyline. That's all I'm saying. That's a cool, that's a cool point. And they could introduce time travel via the flash. 
because of his oh, yes. ability to travel through time and the cosmic treadmill and all that stuff. So that could totally exactly. happen. Exactly. No, time travel. I mean, if we can buy people flying around and, and being the fastest person alive and, and all of that, we can imagine Kara Zorel going to Gotham to hang out with Selena Kyle. I'd buy it. I'd watch that. <laughs> Um, well, now Supergirl newbies can take note because we're about to learn you the origins of Supergirl from comics to live action to the animated series. That's right, kids. Take a seat at your desks and grab your number two pencils. It's time for Supergirl School. First, uh, we'll start with the comics. And uh, actually, when I was doing my Supergirl research, I was amazed to learn that Supergirl didn't start out as Superman's cousin at all. The very first Supergirl was actually completely unrelated to Superman. Uh, She appeared in Superman issue 123 back in 1958 and was created by Otto Binder and Kurt Swan. Now, (laughs) the story is kind of ridiculous, and I I kind (laughs) of love it because it's just insane. Okay, so apparently Superman saved some people, as he's wont to do, and he was rewarded by being given a Native American totem that grants wishes or some nonsense because apparently Native Americans grant you wishes like genies. I don't know. (laughs) But then he gives it to Jimmy Olsen, and because Jimmy Olsen's such a good old pal, rather than wish for something for himself, he wishes for Superman to have a girl. That was very Uh, nice of him. Very nice of him. It's like bros looking out for other bros, right? <laughs> right? So he's like, listen, Totem, I want to hook my bro up with a girl who's just like him so that she can keep up with him, help him save the world. Maybe they can go out, have some drinks, whatever. It'd be great. Um, female counterpart because he needs a partner in crime. Great. So this wish happens and Supergirl is born and she's blonde and she has the same outfit and she's exactly like Superman in every way except she's a woman. And of course, because she's a woman, naturally she becomes infatuated with Superman because he's such a hunk and that's she was created just for him. <laughs> so she goes to introduce herself and she's all, hey, we're the same. We should totally be together forever and I love you. Um, <laughs> and she follows him around all the time, kind of obsessively to the point where she figures out that he's Clark Kent. She sees him both in and out of his Superman garb, and she accidentally blurts this out to, you know, in front of Lois. Like, she says, bye, Superman, and he's like, shut up. Whoops. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she and he actually calls her a super nuisance. Like, he's thinking to himself in a thought bubble, I thought she was going to be a super help, but she's actually a super nuisance. Um, but he eventually goes to Supergirl and is like, hey, you need to chill out, like... You can't be blurting my secret identity around town. Maybe you should stay away from me for a little while. But she can't stay away, of course, because she's a woman in love. (laughs) So she keeps following him around. And eventually she gets in the middle of a a crime that he's fighting. And in order to save his life, because the criminals have kryptonite and they're like flinging it at him, she gets in the way, she intercepts it, and she gets harmed by the kryptonite. And so she's slowly dying of kryptonite poisoning. 
And so she goes back to Jimmy um, and asks for him to undo his wish because she wants to be blinked out of existence rather than die of kryptonite poisoning. And also she'd rather die or be blinked out of existence rather than not have Superman's love. And she is blinked out of existence proclaiming her love. And it's stupid. So <laughs> Well, e- even though it's sort of, I-, I guess, sexist in a way, it's actually kind of neat that they still have her sacrificing herself for Superman and and saving people in the process. So part of me likes that, even though they have her as they did back then, where they had the women sort of as a super nuisance. They would do that sometimes with Lois Lane, too. And so, yeah, (laughs) so I think that was just part of the time and the, the culture at the time that that's the way. And I think also I've heard I don't know if this is true, but uh, some people say that they sort of wrote that wrote things in that way because boys were reading comics at the time. They sort of uh, associated women with like their little sisters or something like that. So it could have been just part of the way they were writing those stories yeah. at the time. Actually, in the early days of comics, comics were actually marketed to children, um, both boys and girls, and kind of all kids read all comics. And the division between like boys and girls and like boys reading comics and girls not didn't come till much, much later. But really, when comics started out, it was for all kids, and it was it was considered all fluff. Like whether you're reading superhero titles or later on the you know horror comics or true crime or any of right. that, it was still like for kids, and so it was stupid. But <laughs> both both boys and girls could enjoy the stupidity equally. Right. Um, <laughs> but continuing on with Supergirl's origins, because um, I did want to get to the Supergirl that we generally associate with being Supergirl. Um, Kara Zor-El, she actually made her first appearance after this first Supergirl incarnation kind of came and went with little fanfare. Um, they brought back the idea of Supergirl in Action Comics number 252, which came out a year later in 1959. In this version of the origin story, uh, Superman wasn't the only survivor of Krypton being destroyed. Um, the chunk of Krypton that and here's where we, you know, go into crazy defying science land. Um, <laughs> the chunk of the planet that Kara lived on came off clean in the explosion. So it's just kind of floating off in space. And everybody who lives on that chunk was fine, except that the, the destruction kind of caused kryptonite to be exposed mm. uh, from underground. So they covered the entire chunk in lead so that to, to protect themselves from the radiation uh, so they were able to live for many years. You know, Kara kind of grew into a teenager. This happened when she was a very little girl. So she grew into a teenager, and then suddenly there's a meteor shower that starts destroying the lead. So they realize that they have very limited time on this chunk of Krypton that's left. And so Kara's scientist dad that she happens to have, yay, I'm <laughs> glad he wasn't like, you know, an ice cream salesman or something. Right. Um, that been unfortunate. <laughs> But luckily she has a scientist dad and he built her a rocket to send her to another world before Krypton becomes uninhabitable. It sounds very similar to Superman's origin, just on a smaller scale. Yeah, actually. And uh, now when here's the, the other unbelievable part, and they kind of address this in Smallville, which I'm sure you'll talk about later. Um, when looking for planets, Kara's mom looked at Earth and saw Superman there and realized he was Kryptonian, but apparently didn't know that that was her husband's brother's son. So 
she saw the uniform and was like, oh, he's flying around. He must be Kryptonian, but didn't really know who he was hmm. because it's it's a revelation when, you know, Kara goes there and they introduce each other and then they figure out that they're cousins. Oh, this is my dad. This is my dad. Wait, that makes us cousins. It's like, what? how do you not no know way. that? <laughs> like there's this whole side of the family. Actually, that's the comic I'd love to read is what happened between those two brothers that they're so estranged that they don't know that they have kids. Right. But here, <laughs> so rather than taking his newly arrived cousin under his own wing and t- showing her the ropes and showing her how to be human and how to act, he basically dumps her off in a town called Midvale and gives her a brown wig and tells her to hide out and learn how to be a human in this orphanage. And he even makes a comment in the comic about her choosing the name Linda Lee uh, because she has the initials LL and he's thinking to himself, wow, my old girlfriend used to be Lana Lang and my new girlfriend is Lois Lane. She's picked those initials entirely of her own accord. That's weird. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah, yeah uh, there's a lot of double initials. He even, that, that must be before Superman had a, had a fling with Lori Lamaris. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of double L's. So Linda Lee is, is another one. Well, I think it's because if Superman ever decided to get a tattoo of his lady love on himself anywhere, if it's possible for Superman to get tattoos, he would only have to get an LL. And then if he breaks up with her, he just has to find somebody with the same initial. You're set. Yeah. You're ready to go. (laughs) All set. So he tells her to, you know, keep her powers under wraps, learn how to be human, which she starts to do. But then she feels stifled, you know controlling her powers all the time. So she starts going on night patrols, starting to become like the town of Midvale's guardian angel. That's so funny because I sort of associate Superman and Supergirl with like sunshine and pretty metropolis. Like night patrols I associate with Batman and Mm -hmm. Robin and all those kind of creatures that come out at night to get the criminals uh, when the sun goes down. So that's really interesting that Supergirl would go on night patrols. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of like a proto Buffy in that way, like going out at night when everyone's asleep to protect the town. And eventually after that, she develops her abilities enough and learns enough that she can go and help Superman out. And she starts featuring in his comics and in the comics of other characters. And eventually she starts getting her own comics, her self-titled comics, in the 70s, from 1972 to 74, and then again in 1982 to 84. In the 80s, we've got this uh, pretty huge story that DC is telling, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, which involves everyone and multiple universes and so much going on, and it's insane. But how it relates to Supergirl is that, uh, and again, this is in 1985, in Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven, Supergirl is killed as she sacrifices herself to save Superman and the multiverse. And she is wiped from existence because of it. So in the name of saving her cousin and all of the universes, she sacrifices herself and then no one remembers that she did it, which is really, really powerful. Right. Just a couple of quotes here from the issue, the narration of the, the page when she's going in to, uh, to sacrifice herself. It says, Supergirl rushes ahead, knowing full well that whatever could bring such pain to her powerful cousin could certainly destroy her. 
but Supergirl is a hero, and her concerns are not for herself, but for the one she loves. Then on the page where she actually is dying in Superman's arms, which is a really powerful page and so well-drawn and well-done, she says to him, you taught me to be brave, and I was. I love you so much for what you are, for how good you are. Showing that, you know, Superman did have did make an impression on her and his mission um, affected her. Well, and she's saying all of that while you see her close her eye for the last time and you see kind of her hand go limp, you know, and she's saying that as she's, you know, as she dies. So that really is very powerful. Yeah. And then we have Batgirl giving a speech after Supergirl uh, dies saying Kara is a hero without equal. She was often my confidant and always my friend. Kara was a hero who, yes, cared about herself, but always seemed to care more for others. It's easy to dismiss something special that made her a hero because she had powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. But a hero is not measured by what her power may be, but by the courage she shows in living and the warmth she holds in her heart. Let her courage give us courage. Let her love give us love. And let her hope give us hope. Kara is a hero. She will not be forgotten. It's great to see um, another female superhero giving that speech, too. Um, yes. It's so easy to think of, you know, women in competition, but to see that, like, Batgirl and Supergirl were friends and respected each other and knew each other's strengths is, is a great thing to see in a comic. And in the story, she's giving that speech on its televised and it's in front of this huge crowd of people who have gathered to mourn Supergirl. So she's doing it on kind of a, a national, maybe even a global scale. Yeah, it's really great. And after that, so Supergirl is wiped from existence. Other characters don the Supergirl mantle. Uh, there was Matrix. There was Linda Danvers, who actually merged with Matrix to become Supergirl. And then there's Seer L, who is basically Superman's fake daughter, um, <laughs> but there's an interesting not, story behind that. Yeah, no, there totally is. And we're not going to, we're really following the Kara Zorel Supergirl. Um, so we're not going to be discussing the other people who wore the mantle necessarily on this podcast very much. But uh, definitely look them up when you have the chance because those stories are very interesting in their own rights and introduce other interesting female characters that might be, you know, might fly under the radar if you don't look for them. Um, and then we get to the more recent incarnation of Supergirl, because now with the new 52, things have changed again. Right. Um, but Kara Zor-El was resurrected in comics in 2002. And the Kara Zor-El version of the character has been our Supergirl ever since. And that resurrection leads us to Rebecca, who is going to uh, tell us a little more about her appearances in animated and live action stuff. The really fascinating thing about this is that the first live-action version of Supergirl is actually in Supergirl the movie with Helen Slater, and that's released a year before Crisis on Infinite Earths. So Hmm. they have this big, big movie that comes out, and of course it didn't do well with critics and was not a, a huge box office success, but somebody decided, hey, we need to make a Supergirl movie, and it came out a year before they decided to 
wipe her out of continuity. So that, <laughs> I wonder if that had a, if there was a reason for that. Like if they just said, hey, this didn't do well. Maybe people don't like Supergirl. Let's get rid of her. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe they lost. Well, the, the Salkinds really wanted to keep the, the Superman films going, but I guess they just they couldn't make it work. But yeah, so Supergirl the movie came out in 1984 and is the first live action portrayal of Supergirl. It's it's funny with with Superman you had The Adventures of Superman with George Reeves and then you had Christopher Reeve who came out with his span of four movies, but for Supergirl it took until 1984 for that to happen for her. And in Supergirl the movie, this version of Kara is from Argo City and she knows that her cousin, Clark Kent slash Kal-El slash Superman, is on Earth. <laughs> so she has a knowledge of Clark being on the Earth, which I think is an interesting take. It kind of varies uh, between different stories and who's writing it. But on this one, she knows who her cousin is. She knows that he's on Earth. And she goes by the name of Linda Lee when she takes a secret identity when she gets to Earth. And in this story, she is friends with Lucy Lane, who is the sister of Lois Lane. And despite the fact that it didn't do well at the box office and that it wasn't by our standards a success, it had a lot of big names in really it. Really huge actors. It's yeah. kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that sort of follows the example of the Superman movies, which you had Marlon Brando and and uh, names like that, where this one had, you had Helen Slater's Supergirl, you had Peter O'Toole, who is a, a, a hugely famous <laughs> class, you know, classic film actor, and Faye Dunaway, who is uh, a tremendous talent, and Mia Farrow, who sometimes I forget that she was in that movie. Oh my she, God, that's right. <laughs> yeah, she has such a small part. She is uh, Kara's mother. And so she, you see her on Argo City. So she is in that movie as well. And of course, Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen in the Superman films, he is actually Jimmy Olsen in the Su- Supergirl, the movies. So it's kind of funny. I think some people sort of forget that DC was the first, uh, they had the first film franchise who so- that sort of uh, became a cinematic universe. You know, Marvel has this huge cinematic universe that they've got going on right now but these films connected with each other (laughs) by the way of jimmy olsen (laughs) yeah so he was very important in this film franchise so that's kind of uh the basics for supergirl the movie now i'm i'm sorry i'm just trying to remember if there was any connection probably not but uh if there was any connection between the christopher reeve superman movies and supergirl and the batman movies later in the 80s no, there was no connection to the Batman movies, but they did try to get Christopher Reeve to be in Supergirl the movie. Something ah. something didn't quite uh, happen with that. I don't know if it was a contract thing or Christopher Reeve didn't want to do it. But originally they wanted him to be in it and uh, they ended up having to uh, say, okay, well, we'll just slap a poster on the wall. We'll have Kara talk about her her cousin Clark Kent and you'll like you sort of see Superman there but he's not actually appearing in the movie right so but I think their original intent was to have him in the movie now, it would have been a totally different thing I think if you actually had Christopher Reeves Superman in the movie I wonder if that would have impacted it all made it more popular <laughs> yeah which is unfortunate but um so from the Supergirl movie in the 80s it sort of 
takes a little while for Supergirl to come back into uh, a visual medium outside of comics. So she ends up coming into uh, the DC animated universe uh, by way of Superman the Animated Series. So in uh, Superman the Animated Series, she is the only survivor from Krypton's sister planet Argo. So Supergirl the movie had Argo City. In this version, uh, we have Argo. And Superman actually... He goes into space and he finds her on Argo. And he kind of, she's like the only survivor there. And so he, he picks her up and... Like scoops her up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's kind of in stasis or whatever, you know, talking about sciencey things. She's, she's kind of there. She's not dead, but she's still alive. So he kind of grabs her and takes her back to Earth. And yeah. in this version, she is not his biological cousin. She is Superman's foster cousin uh, by way of living with the Kent family and, and living on the Kent farm. So, ah, so it wasn't even, it wasn't even from, um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's not like part of the house of L she's just his, his quote cousin by way of being a, a foster kid of the Kent family. So that doesn't happen till, till he's till she's on earth. Right, right. So she goes by the name of Kara Kent on Earth, and her Kryptonian name is not Kara Zor-El. It's Kara Enze. So that's very different. And in Superman, the animated series, which ran from 1996 through uh, 2000, she is voiced by Nicole Tom. And this, this will change slightly depending on what variation it is. The, the voice actress will change. But um, in Superman, the animated series... Uh, she's voiced by Nicole Tom, and the costume that she uh, wears in this series is also used by Linda Danvers in the 1996 Supergirl comic. So they yeah. sort of had a little bit of synergy there, and, and that costume is the white t-shirt with the S-shield and the blue skirt. And she also wears that same costume in, the, uh, in her first appearance of Justice League Unlimited. But this will change by the end of Justice League Unlimited when she is wearing the blue t-shirt with the S-shield and the red skirt. So they kind of change it over time. Yeah, see, I actually really like that costume a lot. And I, I'm going to be w- uh, watching the rest of Superman the Animated Series uh, for when we discuss it later. I haven't seen it all. Um, but I did like that costume. It, it, it seems very youthful to me mm-hmm. without seeming like a superhero costume. Like, I kind of like that it's like, oh, she just kind of woke up one day and decided to save people and runs around in her T-shirt. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's something really, like, cute and teenagery about that that I like. I agree. Um, and I, I like the white t-shirt variation just because it sort of separates her from superman i think yes. uh, i think more with the the blue t-shirt with the s shield and the red skirt it's very much and they even reference it in that jlu episode that she changes her costume to kind of honor her cousin and kind of be more like him because she admires him so much so right. there there's a, a a difference in in why she adopts each one of them well, and in Superman, the animated series, she's uh, she only appears in uh, three episodes with a camp. Well, she has a cameo in one of them. So uh, there's three where she's prominently seen. She's in Little Girl Lost. She's in Little Big Head Man. She has a cameo in that. She's in the episode Unity and the episode Legacy. Then... Uh, after Superman the Animated Series, she's in the new Batman Adventures in an episode called Girls' Night Out. And so uh, we reference Supergirl's friendship with Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And this is an episode where she teams up with Batgirl. 
So that's really Oh, that fun. seems cool. I've never mm-hmm. seen that. So I, I'm going to seek that out now. <laughs> yeah, there's some discrepancy. I've noticed that the episode title sometimes is spelled girls night out with like night, you know, being the opposite of day, like N-I-G-H-T. And then sometimes it's girls night out with like N-I-T-E. So I don't know which one is correct. I think in my Batman, the animated series set, I think it's N-I-T-E. So either way, it's called Girls Night Out. Yeah, (laughs) we'll search for both. (laughs) No matter how it's spelled. Um, And from there, she's mentioned in Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, which is a 2003 uh, direct-to-video animated movie, and which is also based on the new Batman Adventures animated series. So all of these animated things are kind of flowing together. It's another kind of cinematic universe. And from there, we get to Justice League, which is a series that ran from 2001 to 2004. And there's no voice actress that's credited for this series because Kara slash Supergirl doesn't doesn't speak. So there's no (laughs) reason to need a voice actress. But uh, she is in a she has a cameo in Hereafter Part One, and in that episode, she's at spoiler alert Superman's quote funeral, and uh, after Superman's death, the Justice League wonders if Supergirl is old enough to join the league. So she's mentioned there, and in the episode Comfort and Joy, she uh, has a mention. Clark Kent asks his parents where Kara is, and they say she's skiing with Barbara, Barbara Gordon. So she's hanging out with Batgirl. And what I think is so funny about this episode is that you get to see Streaky the Super Cat, who is uh, <laughs> um, is a little side character in Supergirl's story. Um, and the Streaky the Super Cat makes an appearance and kind of makes friends with Martian Manhunter. There's a really cute moment Aww. where Martian Manhunter <laughs> is um, petting Streaky the Super Cat. So uh, even though uh, Kara's not in that episode, it's a really cute episode that references a lot of Supergirl stuff. Then, after Justice League, there is a series, which is one of my favorites, uh, Justice League Unlimited, which ran from 2004 to 2006. And again, yeah, Nicole... This show is great. Oh, JLU is the best. Uh, uh, voiced by Nicole Tom. And she is in JLU quite a bit. She is in the episode Initiation. She's in Fearful Symmetry. Uh, the Return, she has a cameo in The Greatest Story Never Told, where she's fighting in battle with the Justice League. Uh, she has a cameo in Darkheart. Uh, she's, again, helping the League take on some aliens. Uh, <laughs> she's in uh, The Once in Future Thing Part 1, uh, Weird Western Tales, and uh, and once The Once in Future Thing Part 2, uh, time warped and in both of those instances she has a cameo where she's hanging out in the, the watch tower and in the second one she's uh, making friends with booster gold so <laughs> that's <laughs> who's the coolest <laughs> it's a very fun combination that uh, supergirl would be hanging out with booster gold uh then from there she's in the jlu episode flashpoint and then panic in the sky and she also has a cameo in divided we fall she's kind of in a crowd of superheroes listening to superman give a speech and she's in Chaos at the Earth's Core. She's mentioned in the episode Patriot Act. And in that episode, she's supposedly off on a mission with the Flash in Madagascar. So, uh, <laughs> and that kind of makes me think of the Flash crossover possibility uh, from the CW and CBS. Hey, you know, put them in an episode where they have to 
go to Madagascar for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the final episode that she appears in on uh, JLU is called Far From Home, which is a really good Supergirl episode. Yeah. I have to say, you're talking about the um, cinematic universe, but where I really think that DC has always kind of one-upped Marvel has been in the animated stuff. Um, their animated films have have really always been high quality, great storytelling, great voice talent, all of that. Whereas, you know, right now I feel like Marvel kind of has a handle on the the movie thing. And on TV, it's kind of like I, I love my Flash and my Arrow and uh, and Gotham, but I also love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I can't wait for the Netflix stuff to come out from Marvel. Um, so it's kind of more of an even playing field there. But where DC definitely has an edge, in my opinion, is the the animated uh, stuff that they've put out. I agree. And I think what's really cool about the animated stuff is because it is all connected. You have Batman the Animated Series connecting in with Superman the Animated Series. And then from there you have Justice League that connects to Justice League Unlimited. And um, that's really fun because you get to kind of go with those characters from one iteration to the next. And so after the animated stuff with Supergirl kind of wrapped up, the next time we saw her was on Smallville. Now, Smallville's Supergirl stuff could be a little confusing um, because at the end of season three in an episode called Covenant, which was the season, the season three finale, there was a version of Kara, and she was played by Adrian Palicki, who is no stranger to superhero TV. She was in the Aquaman pilot with Justin Hartley. She played Wonder Woman in the pilot that NBC didn't pick up. And she's also been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So she Yes, as Mockingbird, and she's awesome. So she has had lots of chances to uh, be part of superhero stories on television. Uh, but in this version, she is she plays a Kara who is actually a young woman named Lindsay Harrison. And Lindsay was used by Jarrell to kind of be Kara in order to get Clark into training. And she was a girl who was in a car accident during the meteor shower that brought Kal-El to Earth. And she was kept in the Kawachi Caves for 14 years until Jarrell needed her. It was very, to me, it was kind of convoluted because Jarrell and Smallville had a lot of weird, unexplained abilities. Like, how did he do all this stuff as an artificial intelligence? I don't, I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it made more sense in Man of Steel because he could kind of control stuff on the ships and things like that, but he couldn't physically do things to people. Um, so the Jarrell on Smallville could kind of do whatever the writers wanted him to do. So in this, <laughs> in this, uh, in this season finale, he took this this young woman named Lindsay and kind of programmed her, brainwashed her to be Kara to kind of lure Clark into training. That seems so random. That's like the worst plan. I'm sorry. And I haven't, you know, Smallville is somewhere else where I need to catch up. But um, that just seems, it seems like there'd be a lot easier ways to do that. <laughs> to, they kidnap and brainwash a teenage girl. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and you don't really see anything after that of that version of Kara. She's kind of done away with by the end of that episode. So it was, I, I don't know if during that time they thought, oh, this is our only chance to do Supergirl. And so they did that. I don't know. But uh, the real deal, Kara Zor-El showed up in season seven. So <laughs> four seasons after that happened, we get to revisit Supergirl again. A another uh, Kara, the real Kara. And she's played by Laura Vandervoort. 
and she's introduced in season seven in the season seven premiere and she would also she would go on to make appearances in seasons eight and ten and in this version she was actually Kal-El's biological cousin so they are associated uh, by the house of L and the cool thing about her appearances um, there is one episode where she actually gets to share scenes with Helen Slater. So it's really cool that you get to see these two Supergirls be in scenes together. And that's, that's for me, that was super fun. That's pretty amazing, yeah. And uh, there's a fun episode uh, uh, called Fracture where when uh, there's, a, there's a whole thing where <laughs> Kara has a bit of a fuzzy memory and she goes by the name of Linda uh, which could be a reference to Lin- Linda Danvers, who is sometimes known as Supergirl, and is sometimes Linda Lee Danvers, the secret identity used by the Kara Zor-El version of Supergirl. So they sort of have a nod to the Linda name in that episode. And mm. in an alternate universe featured on Smallville, Kara went by the name of Linda Danvers, who was raised by the Luthers and worked for Lex Luthor, which is, huh. uh, which is pretty cool because... Sometimes Supergirl has been associated with Lex Luthor, so I thought it was neat that on Smallville, she sort of, they kind of dabbled in that a little bit. And to wrap up Kara's Smallville, I mean, a lot of stuff happens. She, like, gets sent to the Phantom Zone and all that. Um, But to wrap up Smallville, she is actually in the season 11 Smallville comic. And, And after Supergirl's Smallville appearances... There was a direct-to-video animated movie that was released in September 2010 called Superman Batman Apocalypse. And in that one, she was voiced by Summer Glau, who is a very uh, popular actress in the sci-fi geek community. We love her. Yep. Love you, River Tam. <laughs> and uh, so after that, she was in another animated movie called Superman Unbound, which was in uh, 2013. And that was an adaptation of the 2008 comic story called Superman Brainiac, which was written by Jeff Johns. And Super, Superman Unbound is actually uh, one of my favorite animated movies that they've, they've ever done. And in Superman Unbound, uh, Supergirl was voiced by Molly Quinn. And there's a really fun Castle connection if you watch Castle on ABC. Uh, yeah, our Alexis, Alexis Castle. Yeah, yeah. So you have... Um, Alexis and uh, Beckett, played by Astana Kadic, she actually does the voice of Lois Lane. So it's really fun when you get to see Lois and Kara interact in that movie because really you're looking at Beckett and Alexis uh, <laughs> kind nice. of interact. And just FYI for fun facts, um, ca- the cast of Castle has a lot of connections to the DC animated universe. I think Andrea Romano really likes Castle. And I think that's <laughs> where she gets her ideas of casting some of these people because Nathan Fillion has voiced Hal Jordan's Green Lantern, uh, Vigilante, Mr. Freeze, and Steve Trevor. And Susan Sullivan, who plays Castle's mom, has voiced Queen Hippolyta or Hippolyta. I've heard people say both. So it's mm-hmm. kind of fun that they all have these DC connections. And I think it's, yeah, Nathan Fillion especially has such a telltale voice. Like, his voice is so distinct. You know exactly, like, when it's him, when he starts talking. And I love his Steve Trevor. I thought, like, in that Wonder Woman movie, he is the perfect Steve Trevor. (laughs) Yeah, and it's fun on uh, Justice League Unlimited when he does Vigilante. Like, you can tell he's kind of pulling that that Western cowboy out in him. (laughs) 
in addition to all those animated movies, uh, DC actually had some shorts that were known as DC Nation shorts, and Supergirl appeared in some shorts called Super Best Friends Forever. And these were really fun. The, uh, Supergirl was voiced by Nicole Sullivan. And in these shorts, Supergirl teams up with Wonder Girl and Batgirl. So you get to see them have little fun adventures, just the three of them. And it's adorable. Love that. And this doesn't have anything to do with live action, but just as an FYI, Supergirl's also been featured in video games. So, uh, oh, in, yeah. in Justice League Heroes, she's actually voiced by Tara Strong. And if you know anything about the animated universe, you know Tara Strong has voiced everybody. Harley Quinn, Raven, Batgirl, and Oracle. Uh, Poison Ivy, Stargirl, Billy Batson, Cheetah, Huntress, Mercy Graves, Vicki Vale, and even a young Bruce Wayne. And Tara Strong is fantastic. I actually, um, a couple of years ago at Dragon Con, <laughs> I went up to her because I'm a big fan of Ben 10. Mm. And I asked her to record my uh, voicemail greeting on my phone as Ben. And it was amazing to watch her. She she didn't have to like prepare herself for several minutes to do it. She just jumped in and did it on the fly. And it was awesome. That's she great. sounded just like Ben 10. And I recommend that if you like Tara's stuff, if you like to hear stuff about um, voice acting or hear her do, go in and out of those voices, which is really fun, go listen to an episode of Fat Man on Batman, which is Kevin Smith's podcast, and listen to episode four from June 2012. She ha She's on uh, his podcast and he talks to her about all the voices that uh, she's done and has he kind of has her do it on the fly. And it's awesome. So go and listen to that if you want to check that out. Um, and in addition to uh, Justice League Heroes, Supergirl is also in the DC Universe Online game. And she's voiced by Adrian Mishler. And she, uh, Supergirl is also in Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes and Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham as a playable character. And she is also on the iOS version of Injustice Gods Among Us as a support card, which I've never played, but that sounds pretty cool. And then that brings us to the new CBS TV series, which is why we're doing this podcast, where <laughs> Supergirl is being played by uh, Melissa Benoist as Kara zor -El. And in this version, she will be portrayed as the cousin of Superman slash Kal-El, but will also have a foster family named the Danvers. So that sort of wraps up the live-action video game animated stuff. Yeah, and it's cool to see that it, it comes full circle. Um, as, as different as her various origin stories have been, they, there are certain things that they will always have in common. Right. Um, and they, they tend to, to go back and, and use the best stuff from all the different stories. So I look forward to seeing that on the CBS series as well. Um, well, that is pretty much that for this week's episode. Um, we hope that you learned uh, a lot about Supergirl and that you uh, will have fun reliving all of Supergirl's adventures in these various mediums. And before we end this week's episode, we wanted to shout out another awesome fan, uh, another Supergirl fan out there who shared his artwork with us. An artist by the name of Derek Stokely from the New York City area in the Bronx. Hell yeah, New York is my hometown. Um, posted an awesome drawing of Supergirl that he did over at our Facebook page. So you can check that out over there. And thank you so, so much for sharing that with us, Derek, and for being excited about this podcast. If you want to see more of Derek's work, you can check him out at DeviantArt. Um, so that address is 94beyond.deviantart.com. And you can also check him out on Twitter. 
And his Twitter handle is 94beyond. And that's the number 94 and the word beyond. And so thanks, Derek. <laughs> yes, thank you. And speaking of artwork, a big thanks to Mike Halpin from Earth Prime Weekly for Supergirl Radio's great-looking artwork. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Earth Prime Weekly, which is Earth Prime and then W-K-L-Y. And also, we need to give a shout-out to our friends over at Legends of Gotham for mentioning us for mentioning us on their podcast last week. If you like the Fox series Gotham, check them out at legendsofgotham.com. And I also want to give a special shout out to watchmojo.com. As many of you know, I'm a Supergirl newbie, so I was doing a lot of research on Supergirl's origins. And watchmojo.com has a great uh, series of superhero origin videos that they do on YouTube. Um, so they have origins for Supergirl, for She-Hulk, for, for various other heroes. And they're really well done and thorough, but really entertaining. So check them out. It's watchmojo.com. And if you want to keep in touch with us, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. And I should mention that we have updated our first episode show notes on the website, so you can follow everyone and everything we mentioned last week. So go check that out. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash supergirlradio. You can follow us on Twitter at supergirlradio. And you can check out exclusive pictures over at instagram.com slash supergirlradio. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, and join us next week when we'll be discussing the amazing, the wonderful, the cheesetastic Supergirl the movie. <laughs> That'll be fun. And till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And in the final words of Supergirl from Crisis on Infinite Earths, we love you so much for what you are. And how good you are. you are.